Hey everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Grafters Podcast. I nailed it that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, screwed up twice before doing we've, this recording. We've been here for forty minutes trying to, uh, <laughs> trying to introduce this episode. Slight, slight exaggeration. We're we're professionals here. <laughs> yeah. Bit of banter. Um, anyway, guys, so this week we are going to be discussing um, CrossFit versus powerlifting. Does either sport have a higher injury rate than the other? Yeah, you know, they're both going to have a fight to the death. We're both yeah. going to be crawling out of here dead, <laughs> yeah. which is like every machete CrossFit in hand. CrossFit is bollocks. Powerlifting is bollocks. Yeah, oh, oh powerlifting definitely is bollocks. Um, <laughs> so I guess we should start with an update for the listeners. What happened over yes. the last week? Uh, so I competed in the ABPU Welsh, which and and my my partner did, um, Coach V of Gains Glutes and Glitter competed as well. She broke a million different yeah. records in the forty-eight kilo class. She got into the weight class by the skin of her teeth. Ooh. She weighed forty-eight kilos on the nose, oh. um, which was right where she needed to be. She, yeah. she broke a squat record. She broke. A bench record as usual, she broke a deadlift record and she broke a total record. Nice. What she always wanted to do to call herself a powerlifter was to be able to break a record uh, yeah. in something more than just bench which she's known as being a specialist in. Yeah. Um, so she she broke those other records and now has become a powerlifter so that, was, it, that power was her words not mine. You have to break three um, records of squat, bench, deadlift. Well I, th- I think she would have been fine with just the squat but then the deadlift happened as well so that was that was really nice. Yeah um, nice. So she can And then you that. broke some records as well? Yeah so I got a British squat uh, and a British bench record. It was the first time I was going down to the 67.5 kilo class that was an interesting experience losing 10 kilos in 10 weeks yeah so there was no actual competition on the day I just went to go down and break the records on the second squat I injured something in my back and I went right. into the third squat thinking there's no way in hell I'm going to get this record yeah and then that that somehow happened. Do you reckon the adrenaline just took over and you were just like... Nah. I could feel it over the adrenaline just for, for whatever reason, like the, the pain didn't carry on. Uh, so the pain carried on, but I was able to lift it. I didn't think I would be able to. Then on the bench press, I couldn't really arch very well, but yeah. um, I still had enough in the tank to get my second... Okay, nice. Uh, uh, first and second benches, which was enough to give me a record anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then I went into the deadlift. That injury really caught up with me at that point. I realised when I was doing like the bar that I'd gone there to get the two records, I got those, so I just did one token deadlift and then oh, okay. uh, went from there and that's a recurring back problem that I can kind of talk about. Um, in relation to today's yeah, subject. Yeah. What about your yeah. weekend? How was that? It was awesome. So this weekend was the annual Graft House party, um, which involved um, Red Bull having their truck for everyone to pull, which was that wicked. I won that as well. You won that. What did yeah. you have to do? You had to pull it all the way down the track. Well, did it halfway? Because I think we've been all the way. Definitely would have would have got caught in something. Right. And okay. somebody was just sat in there steering it. And at some points you were pulling it. And it was like, no, no, go right, go right. <laughs> was that his job all day? Just yeah. Just, <laughs> he looked so bored. It was like one point he just veered off, and she was like, no, turn it off. Oh, oh, oh. Was that when Hillary was pulling? Yeah, yeah. on the video. Kind of veering off to the yeah. yeah, kills four people. Um, but yeah, that was cool. And then on the on the day, I taught a ladies' lifting workshop, which was amazing. There was seven members from here. I basically just taught them the basics of working out in relation to exercise execution, 
tempo and how to structure a workout so it's time efficient and it's help helping with the basics of either like fat loss strength training yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. so i think there's quite a um a bad habit of everyday people to maybe think that they have to do loads to get huge rewards back and going in going all in when you don't necessarily need to be all in yeah and still look after your children yeah (laughs) exactly you don't have to commit your whole life yeah exactly yeah yeah so that do you find that something that um is a difficult sell sometimes or do you think people are, are wanting to take it all on board straight away I think it's um depend I think people do want to take it all on board straight away. Do you mean in terms of the actually doing a workshop and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um well as far as I'm aware, people as soon as they found out it was ladies only, they were like, alright, okay, ought to jump on it. Because there's so many ladies that actually they do want to get strong, they do want to feel better in their own skin and they wanna, you know, work on the body composition, but they just it's very difficult for them to understand what to do because there's a societal view that women shouldn't train heavy and women shouldn't, you know, train too hard otherwise you're going to look too muscular and you're going to look masculine and so it was it was really cool to actually sort of dispel some myths That's awesome. um, and actually just empower them to actually come in and like train hard. Yeah. Um, and what did that seminar involve? It actually oh, involved work, the workshop it actually involved a full body um, session. Um, and I basically just taught them through four basic points of how to optimise their workouts within the gym. Yeah. Um, and that was like they're going through tempo, exercise, execution and how to structure a workout so the full body's being worked rather than thinking, oh, I'm going to just come in and do glutes and stuff. And I said that's absolutely fine if you need to do a split, but for time efficiency and for you to live a normal life, get it all in. It's just good to give them those little um, gym hacks and they become big so is that something that you're looking to put on more regularly yeah yeah absolutely um not confirmed as of yet but it's definitely going to be something that i'm going to be doing long term because it's i just absolutely love it and people learn loads and it there was a really good community vibe everyone was buzzing after it so that's great will they does it have to be a graft house member that takes part now um no i think so hopefully it will be either graft house members or external um individuals coming in um and it would be really cool to have a mixture of both as well so people can mingle a bit more that'd be wicked i should put on a male version of this one as yeah well. um i think that joint seminars and work oh my god yes brainstorm and <laughs> um, so that'll be really interesting so we'll keep all the listeners posted on yeah that one. yeah and then when we know more and um, we'll provide you guys with all the details from there so yes i guess we should progress on with the main episode yeah today's then. subject so crossfit versus powerlifting now does either sport have higher injury rate than the other we briefly spoke before we, we we have a feeling that it's very similar but tell me what you found in terms of injury rates um so basically uh, in terms of powerlifting and crossfit it looks like people receive or get somewhere between three and five injuries per thousand hours of training yeah um which was an interesting statistic for me and i think <laughs> there's a lot of voices against crossfit i'm not sure if you've like experienced yeah. a lot of that or whether you like see all the different memes and things like that yeah. i don't know how <laughs> sheltered crossfitters are from it all or yeah. whether they're very aware that they, i mean there's a lot of anti powerlifting memes and things um i'm really sure but for me it, it, like you say it looked like the injuries were around the same rates 
Um, so I wanted to ask you, yeah. what's your worst injury that you've had because of CrossFit? CrossFit. Um, one that I'm actually still suffering with, it's not actually being diagnosed, but basically, my I know what's causing it. So you know the ring muscle-ups, you've seen people doing ring muscle-ups mm-hmm. like gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Basically because my left pec is much tighter, when I get up into that transition and try and get onto the rings, I'm having to bear, I think oh, it's my right side that's actually quite tight. So I'm having to bear, just to get up, to actually dip through that muscle up, I'm having to bear all my load on my left side and then shimming my right arm over. So what's happening over time is that I'm overloading this side, all my body weight, having to shift. And this, I don't know if it's rotator cuff, I've seen a physio before and it's to do with my Terry's major apparently getting excessively tight and locked okay. up. Yeah. That now when I'm in snatch or anything like that or during transitions, there's like a little bit of shooting pain. That being said, I've been quite lucky where that's the worst thing that's happened. Apart from the odd sort of muscle soreness, it's been a little bit too seized up and it needs a little bit of time to wear off and stuff. Yeah. I've literally not had any severe ones where I need an operation or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. No severe muscle strains. So for me, that one's the worst one in history, but equally the worst one in CrossFit as well. Yeah, and as your experience uh, as a CrossFit athlete, do you feel that CrossFit um, exposes you to injury more than any other sport that you've ever taken part in or the dance that I know that you've done? Do yeah. You, have you found it, do you find it inherently more risky? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I think, don't get me wrong, I think with CrossFit, with the, the amount of skill acquisition that you need to do different um, exercises, it's much broader. But if you go to the right CrossFit box, if, the, if you've got a good set of coaches, they'll actually tell you, do not do that until you've mastered the scale version. Yeah. It's only when members don't listen to the coaches and they do a workout RX. So RX basically means that whatever, let's say the wad for the day is like, um, five hand power cleans, 200 meter run, and then whatever at the end. If someone can't do this prescribed weight to scale it down, you only, you basically scale it down until your um, technique is efficient enough and then you can practice the build up. And I've only ever seen it where people get injured where they try and go RX, the technique's not there because they're working under intensity, high frequency, and that's when something goes yeah. with a technique error. Yeah. So I don't think it's that it exposes you to it. Don't remember there's more opportunities because there's more advanced skills like the gymnastics side of things. But if you progress with the work you set, you, you work your way up. I, I, I don't believe that there's a inherent risk for getting injured. Which, interestingly, when I was doing the research for today's podcast episode, the NCSA released a paper in 2015 trying to say that CrossFit was inherently higher risk. Yeah. But that's now been withdrawn because it was false. Right. So, so it's, yeah. Too, is it too uh, wrought with biases? Yeah. Um, to basically cut the mustard. Bit, yeah. So it actually involved in included lawsuits from CrossFit and the gym that they were actually doing this study at. So basically, they got these stats from two or three of the subjects, and I think it was sixteen percent of the subjects pulled out. Mm-hmm. But um, and then they actually put in the paper that they pulled out due to injury and vice versa 
from trying to do the CrossFit, but actually we've been caught, those subjects turned up and they were like, this is false because they didn't even ask us why we withdrew from the subject. Yeah. So, and okay. I, yeah, and That's I think you never know from a paper being published like that, it only takes a few days for that to circulate and for, for that to influence by some people. And then it's huge, um, you know, people just assume that once I've read a paper, oh, it's scientifically, you know, it must be true. And then your rumors get started and then people are just like, oh, well, CrossFit's inherently like, you're just gonna get injured. Yeah, so I think there is definitely examples of people going too hard, yeah. too quickly, uh, and that can definitely be said uh, about powerlifting. I'm going to say it must be that it's the same in anything. Cause, well, when you train for when, when you're training as an athlete within anything, ultimately everyone has to accept that because you are trying to push to the best of your ability, you're pushing for strength or skill acquisition, whatever. At some point, injury is a natural part of pushing yourself as an athlete but as an everyday gym goer obviously there's a bit more of a concern because do you need to be pushing do you think do you think the risk for you is one of the things that attracts you to crossfit yeah yeah like i, yeah. I can get through this and not for get sure. injured and other people don't have that resiliency to do that and you've built it over time kind of thing yeah yeah so that's definitely a reason one of the reasons why i mean Powerlifting, almost like a fuck you to my body. Yeah, like, yeah, you honestly, can get through this. Yeah. I think that is genuinely part of it. And when that takes precedent with people, I think that's when it gets risky. When that when that is allowed to go unchecked too early, yeah. too quickly, and that's when they try and go RX, and that's when I think people run into problems. Yeah. Um, from from me looking at CrossFit outside yeah. of CrossFit, some of the issues that potentially I've seen isn't from the training that the athletes are doing themselves. Yeah. What, it, what are some of the problems is it seems to be how the competitions are set up. So ah, okay, I saw like some Olympic lifts on a, on a surface that was ridiculously slippy. Yeah. Uh, and things like was that. Was this like a professional one or like a uh, I don't amateur. know what the competition was. I think yeah. it was a CrossFit Games style event. Ah, anyway. right, okay. Um, so I think from what I've seen is some of the competitions could be organised better yeah. um, and there could be some risk taken away from that but yeah. would you agree that the training and the coaching is gradually getting better over time to take away risk? Yeah absolutely and even CrossFit themselves they put out statements when they actually do enough research within a particular movement like if people report back that from this like for example kicking pull-ups so many people kick off like, oh, you're definitely gonna, you, you're just gonna ruin your shoulder. Um, but I think that's only part of uh, a huge picture when you look at someone's mobility, for example, is yeah. it efficient technique? Um, don't get me wrong, it can be quite damaging and it, it does take a lot out of your shoulders, but if you build up to that volume that you'd need for a given workout... Yeah, if you, if you anatomically you can't do a kipping pull-up, then doing kipping pull-ups yeah. is something that you're not going to be able to do. And yeah, that yeah. should just be accepted going into a, uh, a competition. Yeah, exactly. Rather than saying, like, not that I would do kipping pull-ups myself, my shoulders yeah. would explode because yeah. <laughs> I don't have the anatomical ability to do those. But that being said, there will be people that yeah. do have the ability to do them just fine. Yeah. Um, and I think it would be just about having good assessments in place. Yeah, uh, yeah. In order to see who can do kipping pull-ups and who can't, who can build up towards it and who probably shouldn't. Yeah. Um, and I think if people had more clarity of understanding about that, that I think CrossFit is building towards it would be 
Yeah. A lot less infamous. Yeah. Right. We're only going to do kipping pull-ups if you pass this test. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to do them if, if there was a scaled version like that. I think yeah. There might be. I'm not yeah, sure. yeah. They they have so many. They invest so much in educating coaches on how to scale things down for people. They release statements and once they've researched certain movements that they might. I think there was actually one movement that they launched when CrossFit first came out and then they've now sort of taken that out of the vocabulary, even though it might come up in certain boxes if it's like an old school wad or something. So they're, they're more than happy to be like, you look, look, we won't spot this, but as we've actually looked into it more, this is quite unsafe for gen pop. Um, so as a result, we recommend this instead, especially if you suffer with X, Y, and Z. So that's one really cool thing about CrossFit. Yeah, uh, and you have also trained for a powerlifting competition. Yeah. Um, recently, did you get any niggles or extra aches or pains because you were doing that preparation? I, yeah, I did actually. So it was actually post-competition, and I don't know whether it was just because Silly enough, after the comp, I continued with my regular strength bias stuff immediately after, uh, like get deadlifts literally on Monday. <laughs> oh, wow. Because <laughs> Jack came in and he was just like, oh, my body's in bits. And I was like, oh, I'm feeling good. I did deadlifts today. But as soon as I lifted it, I think it was like the first set was a 86% tempo again as well. And it felt like a fucking ton. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you expect? You've just maxed out the day before. That's it. And I, and I think that's where a lot of injuries take place just after the competition. Like, yeah. Um, for the week after a competition, when I'm under, under a bar, I don't really feel human. I can't really feel the bar. Yeah. Um, I just feel like I'm kind of just... I don't know, in another world, like I'm definitely not connected to the floor. Yeah, or anything like yeah, that. it's very different, isn't it? Yeah, and your neural drive's definitely down, the coordination isn't there, and I think powerlifters, um, especially if they have a good competition, will just go straight in there with the heavyweights and everything, mm. and that's when they'll get hurt because they won't realise the cumulative. Um, fatigue that's building up, the, the damage to the soft structures and the hard structures of the body. Yeah. Um, and they then go in there thinking, I can just lift that heavy again, not realising that they really peaked for that competition and now they're on the way down. Oh, scratching them. Uh, and, and I would really just say that that's when the, ma the majority of the powerlifting injuries occur. happen. Would you say that would be, would that occur in CrossFit as well? Absolutely. When the, com when the injuries tend to take place? Yeah, for sure. Even in the in, even in the run-up to competition, um, during as well, um, but especially post because after a CrossFit competition, there's such a ridiculous, depending on what sort of competition you do, so for example, a regular CrossFit for an individual person, so loads of people compete in teams and stuff, but actually, both individuals and teams, you've got at least four or five events in one day. Yeah. And that, that can be a gymnastic bias one, it can be, so for example, the team one last year, within one day, we had like a trail run, um, we had swimming, we had um, team deadlifts with like sandbags and stuff, and so it's just, it's just so broad in terms of what you're doing. But if you think on a regular training day, and I don't really normally train more than two hours, mm -hmm. so the fact that I'm training and I'm pushing to my max in every single one as well, um, within one day, that's a lot. So post CrossFit comp, mm -hmm. I never post CrossFit comp. I never really push that much. If, if anything, I have like a rest and like mobility and stuff because it just fries me. Absolutely. But I know people that have just gone straight back into training and they're just like, oh no, I feel fine. But then eventually something 
Yeah, Nicholas I, I think after a competition, how you feel is quite irrelevant, really. I don't think you necessarily know how you feel. Like yeah. the tendon that's about to pop um, isn't necessarily in pain. Yeah. Um, so I think people assume that just because they are pain, it's almost like they've got away with it. Yeah. Uh, and they can just go in there and train, but you still got to tick that box of recovery. Yeah. Uh, and I and I would say that that's exactly the same with powerlifting. Yeah, I've got to say. Well, how did you feel after your comp? I know you both said before that you didn't quite feel as well underneath the bar and stuff but how was how was your hamstring actually um so my i put my hamstring a few a few weeks back and that's like gradually 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 getting better i could still squat and i could still bench yeah um and i didn't actually feel it um, on the deadlift on the day so i mean it, it, like my hamstring felt really good but then that only made it into the, the second squat and i had this uh pain in my back and it's something that's happened like six seven eight times uh, yeah and it normally happens when i've done a bad deadlift but i've not done a bad left deadlifting i mean i failed the deadlift but i've not failed badly for the yeah. last two and a half years and funnily enough my back position and my back pain has been much lower i don't know what i did underneath this particular squat i have a feeling that i tried to stay too upright so i had too much extension in my lower back right okay um, and essentially what happens is for about 24 hours um, I get like a, a random shooting pain um, and um, I'll like step off a curb for example and it'll feel like I've been shot in my lower back. Clearly Ooh. you can tell that I've been shot. <laughs> I have no idea what that feels like uh, but I definitely had some kind of pain in my lower back yeah. um, causing me not be able to move very well and then I got to the deadlift and just it just wasn't worth it um, and that's one of the cases where I've I was lifting the most I've lifted on my back. Yeah. Occasionally you're going to get that breakdown. Yeah, well I'm gonna say have you have you noticed because a lot of people when they have a look at powerlifters, they're just like, oh my god, that's a stupid amount of weight and especially in relation to the deadlift and the curve of the back when you when you're lifting a certain load at some point, you know how people's back naturally gets that curve where you, you can't maintain that neutral position. Yeah. A lot of people are just like, oh, we're well, gonna spine's gonna shit out of their, their ass or something like do you feel like there's an inherent risk with shifting so much load um with the lower back injury or do you feel like as long as that process is in place of the correct setup you've got your core brace and everything else like that if you're ticking all those boxes do you feel like there's, there's no more risk compared to doing any other sort of sport or is it i think i would never recommend someone power lifted yeah for general health yeah um especially this is interesting i think it's good to like throw in there yeah yeah and it, it but it, there has to be a, a decision that's made by someone to take those ex, ex, extra risks yeah and go towards like absolute strength being a powerlifter doesn't make you more athletic. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make you more mobile most of the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's really good fun, but like I wouldn't if I, it was like an apocalypse and I wanted <laughs> someone to look after. I definitely wouldn't choose a powerlifter. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're gonna be well, they can barely put the shoes on most of the time. <laughs> um, I think people will, have, if, especially if they're naturally strong. I think they're the most at risk of getting uh, a big injury because. Yeah. They, when they start training and they start to be able to add um, weight to the bar every single week, they don't have 
they don't give their tendons and the ligaments and things chance to catch up because yeah. they're going to react and adapt a lot slower. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people that first get into powerlifting, they'll off that. I think there is more of a risk there. Right, okay. Uh, especially for the, for the younger guys and the younger girls because they've not given those tendons and ligaments chance to catch up. Yeah, so, they haven't had those years in the trenches of building. Yeah. That and, uh, well, and not some of the years, but months. Yeah, and that's where like building a good foundation of technique is really, really important. Mm. Um, so those guys should focus on having only good back position every single yeah. time the deadlift. Um, I have had clients that can, they can round their back every single time that they deadlift. Yeah. Um, and I, some of them just, they, they That's how they move injured. it though, isn't it? That's that exactly is. in line with their own kinetic chain and how it's optimally fired up for them or like... What I've always found with those lifters is they always have a worse volume tolerance. They can't ah. do loads and loads of volume, so you have to do um, interesting things with programming. You might be able to give them more block pulls or Romanian deadlifts and try and just keep... So what I do to kind of manage that risk um, is I'll keep them at just singles if yeah. they're on the back and then I'll work with other lifts to try and get that posterior chain uh, volume in with them keeping that excellent form. Um, and then I'm exposing them to that rounded back as yeah. little as possible so that basically if they're doing less reps in that position, the way that I see it is the less likely to get injured. Okay, cool. But I'm strengthening that position and I'm strengthening that back a lot by using other things are as taxing on that nervous system but you can never take that risk away um, because even when people have excellent form like people forget to do stuff people are human people forget to do things on the setup and things and when you put in the most amount of weight on your back things sometimes will break down yeah yeah interesting actually you just reminded me in one of the studies for powerlifters and injuries one study found that um, there was a high percentage of powerlifters these were elite um, like powerlifting clubs, they found an inherent risk of lower back injuries and pain yep. from wearing a belt. That's that's really interesting, you know. There's definitely a right or wrong way okay. um, of wearing a belt. And, in, well, so did they say why that was? No, they didn't really go into it. They just said, I, I'll probably, I should have looked at the paper. It was like this was on a page of different papers um, summarised. Um, but no, it, it, did, it didn't go into detail about why, but I was really intrigued by that. Yeah, so it, what I would say to people is, and I need to say that's at least this to my clients as well. Yeah. Um, if you're going to start wearing a lifting belt, definitely consulting a physician, consulting a doctor, uh, and making sure you have a clean bill of health um, and you're not at risk like with high blood pressure and, and things like that there's definitely yeah. uh, a risk when you're putting on a belt yeah there's also a, an, an incorrect way of using a belt as yeah. well so what a lot of people will do is they'll put it on and they'll think that it makes them indestructible so they'll put whatever weight on the back yeah. and, and think well i've got my belt on so i'm protecting I'm good. and that's just not what a belt is there for what a belt is there for is to provide you feedback and something to basically push yeah, against yeah it's that intradermal pressure isn't it because that being said actually that I found that hugely beneficial on the Graft House, the powerhouse competition here, mm -hmm. because I, I, with CrossFit, we never really max out to that top end anyway, unless I've got a test week. Yeah. Um, so I've very rarely worn a belt, um, but I was like, right, okay, whilst I'm here, because I'm gonna be pushing a little bit more than what I know I'm capable of as well, yeah. the fact that they felt so good, 
and want one every single time. And for me, it wasn't the case of because I've got this belt, I'm going to sacrifice my technique. I still ticked all those boxes in my setup and my technique. Mm. And for me, that could have been the factor that made it fly up because I had that feedback and I was like, oh, wow, okay, everything's locked in. Yeah, and I think that's what the belt should be there for. So in terms of how tight that belt is, you should still be able to take a really big belly breath and push against uh, that belt. And what people will often do is they'll have it on far, far too tight. Yeah. And like you'll see it like cutting into the stomach and making like horrific marks and all kinds of different things. Yeah. But you actually be, you do need to be able to expand into that belt in order to use it properly and to right. increase the surface area of the car. Yeah. What I used to do as well and what I know a lot of lifters do is what they'll kind of do underneath the belt is they'll kind of try and bring and draw their stomach in um, towards their spine. And again, that's doing something where it's decreasing the surface area of the car, that's yeah. decreasing your stability and that is going to make it riskier. Yeah. So the way that, pe that someone should use a belt in powerlifting for me is breathing into that belt. I get them to imagine that they're wearing like one of those rings that you wear on your first oh, uh, in yeah. a swimming pool or whatever and they're trying to burst that thing off. Yeah. It shouldn't feel like it's about to burst when you just breathe it. Yeah, just the thing like, <laughs> Yeah, so what a lot of people will do is when they first start using a belt, they won't really use it that often. Mm. But I think it should be the other way around. I think they should use a belt loads when they first use it. So yeah. they can get good at using a belt Bring and they can in. get practiced in it and then they can do whatever they want from there. But I think that's a good way um, of learning how to use a belt without increasing the risk of injury. Yeah. Um, I think it's when people get overconfident in the belt and they just assume that they're using it correctly. Yeah. And that risk will be increased. I don't think the belt in itself will increase that risk. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a particular thing that people are doing, so I think what they should do is they should get checked that it's appropriate that they use a belt to yeah. begin with, and then they should get good at using the belt rather than just wearing it. Yeah. Um, are belts used a lot in CrossFit? They are actually. in, in Typically in workouts that involve building up T1 rep max for Olympic lifts, like a clean and jerk, um, snatches. In fact, those people wearing for snatches. I've rarely seen people wearing for snatches. If I'm honest, okay. more clean than jerks. Yeah. But typically, in workouts that have high volume, relatively heavy barbell cycling movements, like squat cleans, hand power cleans, overhead. So, for yeah. example, there's a really popular work, um, hero workout called DT. To be fair, it is brilliant, and it's a six nine twelve of. Um, 1296, that's 1296, so it's a 12 deadlifts, nine hand power cleans, and six push press. And it's five rounds of time. Um, but since then there's been more variations of that workout, like double DT, so you're doing it twice through. So with it being such high volume, and people tend to wear belts, but equally, there's, I think people are guilty of wearing them at the wrong time because they don't really know yeah. what it's doing. So I think, again, thinking back to that study actually, were those people suffering with lower back pain because they were actually wearing a belt because they, they weren't using it in the right way or they, they was doing, like you said, making it as tight as possible before I even get into something so that once that pressure then builds against it as a lifting, it's not, it's too tight. So then it's actually causing more harm than it is good. Um, but yeah, typically in CrossFit, that's that's the main sort of 
Yeah, I think something else that can uh, increase the risk of things is when people don't listen to the yeah. thing that their body feeling, yeah. that their body's feeling in training. Um, like, oh, it'll be fine, and then I'll push through it. And then, so what I would encourage people to do is just to listen to the whispers of pain before it starts screaming at you. Yeah. Um, well, I think people forget that pain is a warning shot. That's it. Like, the body is literally, it's, it's trying to warn you about something and then for you to continue through it and then ignore that you know don't get me wrong there's, there's athletes out there that know their body inside out because they've been training for years and they know what that warning shot means and they probably know how much longer they've got within a given movement yeah. before something actually goes Absolutely. and that that's them as an athlete that's their decision to make as a competitor to push or pull back um, but yeah I think for like people every day in the gym it's definitely something that they need to tune into more is like definitely. pay attention to that warning shot yeah, and tra- I think training has to evolve over time as well, especially as you get older. Like, yeah. if it gets to the point where like your shoulders just can't handle that overhead position anymore. Yeah. Um, with um, I forget the names of all the different groups. So if you cranking your shoulders right out to the oh, side. Oh, like extend the rotate there. now. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So if you're getting pain there and you get far less pain doing a neutral grip, then people should go yeah. into that neutral grip. I think what I found. Um, with powerlifters, with general population, with strongmen, is they, they get the largest increase in risk for injury yeah. when they have an increased, like so when they're training with a massively increased load. Right, okay. When they are introducing novelty to their training, so let's say they're doing a sumo deadlift for the first time. Yeah. They're going to be far more likely to get injured doing the sumo deadlift when they're doing it for that first time. Yeah. Um, we, I see more injuries when there's far less recovery, so when people are sleeping a lot less, or like, let's say they've got a newborn baby, there's a far bigger um, increase There's a new stress on the body. Well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what I did when I was training for this powerlifting competition that I just did was I changed my technique, which increases yeah. the risk of injury. But that new technique made the lift really really easy so i added a lot more load so i had two big risk factors there and magically lo and behold um i did 197 the first rep actually flew the second rep got a little bit stuck and i injured myself in an area that wasn't used to that new technique and wasn't used to that new load so that's what you have to be careful of when you're changing the load and you're suddenly exposed to a high load, maybe just bring it back a little bit. Maybe don't make a 40 kilo jump in the squat. Even if it's there on the day, maybe just pull the reins a little yeah, bit. So yeah. I think if I'd have had a coach telling me what numbers to lift, yeah. they could have managed that risk, but I let my ego like, get in the way yeah, of that yeah. one. Um, and I should have realized that I should have built up that new technique much, much slower. But at the same time, like sometimes when you get injured, that's, that makes you realize the mistake. Yeah, yeah, and you learn from it. It humbles you down, doesn't it? Because it's like, oh shit. Well, actually, I need to remember. Like I said, if your ego gets in the way, like I can't do that because then this happens. (laughs) And and I do think it's very important for people to know how to train around an injury. Yeah. Like how many people get into training for the first time? They have a great six months, and then they get one little injury, and let's say they injure their elbow, yeah, and then they don't know how to train. Um, so I think learning how to train around an injury is a really important thing for people to do. And the only way that you can get the opportunity to learn is by yeah. actually getting an injury yeah, and, going and being it. forced to do that. 
Uh, and that's what powerlifting has done for me. That's why I find it really good fun to get yeah. injured and then to train around it. Yeah. Because you're working on solutions and then you get to the point where anything other than death um, yeah. <laughs> is basically the only enemy that you can't defeat in training. You can train around every single thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's my kind of experience. Yeah. Um, well, essentially, going through an injury as well, it actually allows you to pay attention to maybe any neglected areas and make it stronger than it was pre-injury. Yeah. Um, a lot of people that need operations and stuff, a lot of people said that through rehab it's the strongest they've ever been within a given joint or muscle because they've had to build from the ground up again. Absolutely and there's definitely something to be said for the mental side of injury as well. Like yeah. It can make you feel like shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you can suddenly feel 20 years older than you actually are as you're hobbling into your car because you're back feels like it's broken and things uh, and learning how to to still train to still work on yourself is a very very again being able to do that and still succeed is a really really powerful thing yeah so like I think like the, there can be a lot of good that comes from injury it's yeah. when people are silly when they add too much when they try too many new things at once and expose themselves to too many um, types of risk and that's where the real serious yeah happen. yeah that being said, actually, do you think that in, in terms of injury risks when it comes to reducing it, do you feel like, obviously we all know that you need to prepare for your session and like, you know, cool down at the end, but with powerlifting, have you noticed a trend, maybe because of the type of people that normally get into powerlifting, like no cardio, no lift, that they just come in, they start way too heavy, they don't work themselves up, and then like, they just, after the trend, they're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, have you noticed there's a correlation there, or have you noticed some people are guilty of doing that, whether there's go into the session too quickly and it's like really heavy loads, or...? Absolutely, there's, uh, so there's quite a lot of young men um, get into powerlifting, um, because it's very, very accessible. Um, yeah. And they can just go in there and they can start lifting. Uh, and then doing a deadlift one rep max starts to be their, um, their emotional outlet after a yeah. difficult day, so... Um, a gentleman here can I've had a bad day, I'm gonna max out my deadlifts. Um, that's typically the, the worst time to do though, isn't it? Did I tell my story about like injuring my hamstring um a little bit more no. by trying to do a lifetime max? Yes, yes you do. Actually. So uh, this this testosterone, I don't know what, I just got, an, I just remember just shouting at my hamstring. Yes, I <laughs> shouted at my hamstring. <laughs> so I went in and I was sick of my hamstring not being right. So um, I did uh, 70 and then I put 120 on there. Then I went to 180 and that went fine. So I was just going to put on my lifetime best and like hopefully it moves. That thing stuck to the fucking floor. Um, I, I had a searing pain through my hamstring and essentially it was like the most stupid thing in the world and yeah. I was like admitting it to people with like my head just hung just absolute shit. Can't maintain but, like, if, if I know about all the different risk factors, well not all of them, but I know about a lot of risk factors in terms of injury, if even I go and do that then yeah. the general population, athletes, everyone, yeah. are definitely going to have moments of ir irrationality when they go and do that and I don't know if there's necessarily any way that you can... Um, get around that just hopefully you've got someone that's around you when you've been an idiot to, to, be to like, stop but yeah. I was in a shed in my studio by myself with no one there to regulate me yeah. which gives you a good idea of what I'm like when I'm by myself <laughs> um, so I, I should never be trusted when I'm by myself otherwise it leads to me trying a lifetime max with one hamstring <laughs> so what people need to do 
um, is yeah, they need to be very, very careful that they are. Mm. You know, when, when it's there and when it's time to push, to yeah. push, maybe when you come in after one hour of sleep, it's not the time um, to go for to max out. Red max. That I've, my roundabout point was um, there's something in powerlifting training called RPE. Yes. Um, I don't know if you'll use that a lot in CrossFit as well. But you might program so, so happy is basically a rating of intensity and how hard those oh, things okay. are and how many reps are left in the tank. What a lot of powerlifters will do, I promise they tell over me. Covered in blue. Covered in blue, I was going to chuck that down there. <laughs> so, in powerlifting, programming like an 8RPE single yeah. um, is quite a common thing. So, it's a, a weight that you should be able to do for two or three more repetitions at the end of your set. Yeah. Um, what you get with a lot of lifters is you put them down for an 8RPE single or a 7 or a 6 or whatever and what they will do is just use that as a thing, right I'll just max out and put it down as an 8 or I'll put it down oh. as a 7 and, the, and those that perpetually overshoot their RPEs are yeah. those that are more um, at risk of injury because right, they're okay. always pushing that intensity. They're, they're trying to get more and more weight on the bar, so they're not seeing it as I'm just going to work to yeah. a particular RPE. They're still trying to go up 2.5 ah. every single week in a linear way. Right. Now, if you're doing that and you're not actually going by the RPEs, then I would encourage people to go actually go by the RPEs because they're there for a very specific reason. Yeah. But then again, if you're a coach that's noticing it with a lot of their athletes, you have to come up with an RPE scale for them. Yeah. So if you know that you have a lifter, yeah. And if you program them to do an 8 RPE single and they will do an RPE 11 absolute grinder and their face is exploding yeah. and you need to like chat to them about what RPEs are and everything and make sure they know what an 8 RPE is and how it should feel uh, and if after that and you know they have a good understanding they're still doing the same thing then the coach needs to, needs to change that programming accordingly so yeah. what I would do in that situation if they do an 8 RPE for me as a 10 RPE truly, yeah. then I'll put them down for like 6 RPEs or 5 RPEs because yeah. their relative intensity is going to be much, much higher. So that would be a good way for coaches to regulate that risk is by basically downgrading those RPE ratings if you have someone that's constantly yeah. pushing those barriers and pushing those barriers. Uh, and they also have to know that they are more in inclined to get injuries because From doing they're that. always pushing yeah. further. It's the coach's job to pull them back. That's really interesting that's because we have we do have a similar um, concept in CrossFit, um, which is percentage of max effort within any wards, especially in terms of like cardio, max effort and stuff like, you know, because you, you can work on different splits and stuff, but the seminar that I did in Belgium actually, we actually worked on pacing, so for CrossFit a lot of the times because there's like different movements within a wad, you have to know your own pacing, when to go at a steady pace, when to push the pace, when to yeah. back off. When to pick your battles essentially. Yeah, because if, like you said, if someone's constantly just pushing through that door and doing max intensity every single time, you're just not going to progress, you're going to burn out. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting actually. And I think... The statistics are showing that CrossFit and powerlifting have very, very similar injury rates. And what I think that's down to is stuff that's away from the gym. And yeah. I think those that are getting injured in both of the sports 
are those that are having their sleep affected, those that are perpetually stressed, those that are sitting in one particular position all day and aren't resilient enough to handle the loads. Yes. yes. Those that are silly with training and things like that. Those that aren't hydrated, those that have eating problems, those that have been in a, a calorie deficit for a massive amount of time and are trying to do like the big stuff. Oh, that'd yeah. be another risk factor with my hamstring. I'd lost 10 kilos um, in 10 weeks and this, the tissues were breaking down. Yeah. Uh, and then I put that on top of massively increased load and a new technique and then Bob's your uncle would yeah. get injured so I would definitely recommend all powerlifters all crossfitters like prioritise your sleep prioritise your supplementation yeah um, be hydrated when you go in after no sleep know that you shouldn't be pushing it that much that yeah. day <laughs> if it's feeling like shit go by the RPEs and just take it a little bit easier and you're going to get through the session yeah okay the places where it really worries me, like it is when I'm, not when an injury is under max load, yeah, because like that's fine, like they, they, that's a massively increased risk. It's when it's those horror stories of I was just doing my first warm up set, yeah, <laughs> I got injured, and there's a few people that have. I was just deadlifting sixty, uh, and then I blew my black, I blew my back out. So for those that have had that, I would just respect every single weight that's on the bar. Go at it like it is a big load yeah. and, and treat that weight with respect. And that's yeah, the integrity that you need in the lighter loads should be consistent, like you said, and match the ones, the heavier ones, because if you're neglecting the basic side of it, especially at lighter loads, that habit is essentially going to build into your max efforts as well at some point if you let it. Yeah. So you need to be disciplined with yourself and be like, right, okay, from the beginning, this is the setup. This is how yeah. I attack it. And I think if people are going into CrossFit and powerlifting in order to be pain-free and to eliminate injury risk, I just th- I, I just think that's the wrong way to go about it. You have yeah. to accept that there is a lot of risk there, and if you can accept that risk, and if you can, if you think that that's going to still give a lot to your life despite the injury risk, yeah. then you should go for it. I think there's a lot easier ways. Well, a lot better ways of training if injury and pain prevention is the best way. So, um, like, I would encourage, and I do this with all my clients, is to have a movement screen to establish what spot is is right for you, what's going to be too risky. I'm never one to say, right, you absolutely shouldn't do this, but there are definitely people that have hips that don't allow them to squat to depth. So powerlifting would be very, very risky. But at the same time, you might have someone that can't squat to depth, but they want to prove themselves. Um, So a story that I know about, um, a lady was in a really abusive relationship, and her Mm. husband, her former husband now, um, said that she couldn't do powerlifting. So she wanted to go out and do powerlifting. Yeah, yeah. Um, And she did amazingly well, uh, and proved it to herself. But with her anatomy, it made it so that she, probably shouldn't have been yeah, squatting down a little to bit restricted, but, yeah. but it gave her so much more to her life and she could prove to herself that she would do that yeah so i think a coach has to be very careful before they say absolutely don't do this yeah and that's bad no don't be empowered like that but what you have to do is provide them with all the information that they need and um, so that they can make a decision yeah and um, so they can decide right chris i know you've told me that you and i shouldn't be squatting to death but i want to do this yeah um i can sort out programming so that maybe we squat them to just above parallel for most of the time yeah and then on the competition they will try and sink it a little bit lower and you can manage it that way yeah um so just give it as some i'm imploring all coaches to just gather as much data as possible so you can 
allow someone to make a decision rather than dictating from on high. Because I think a lot of PTs and coaches will run into trouble when they behave like that. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, when you do behave like that, you're forgetting that your service should be client-centred, not coach-centred, not your own bias, so, you know. You and it's so hard not to just give everyone powerlifting, like, so, so, <laughs> so, so hard. I don't know if you find that with... Um, the particular modalities that you use. Yeah, I did. I did when I first started PT, and especially when CrossFit became a huge part of my life. Not to say that I give people ridiculously stupid metcons, um, but it, it's, it was very difficult to separate that bias and, you know, do something that's actually better for the client as opposed to, even though they might have been attracted to how I train and stuff, mm-hmm. you need to have a look at their body. Like, actually, they can't. You know, to some degree, they won't be able to tell about load, but if they're telling me that they want to try that sort of stuff, by all means, we'll try it within a safe yeah, way. Um, but yeah, definitely, it's, it's very difficult when someone comes to you like, this is my strength, but no. That's <laughs> it, and I think, basically, people just need to know that there are risks. Yeah. From Massive risks from powerlifting. Yeah. Uh, and there are massive risks from doing CrossFit. So if you're just doing something as a hobby, maybe just uh, if you find the, diff- the movements difficult, change those movements and don't think that you need to be a, like a high-level athlete in, in these sports if you just yeah. do fun. Um, you're never, ever going to eliminate those risks. But, but then again, like even just... Like tiny shoelaces has some kind of risk, so it's very difficult to know where to draw the line, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what we've discovered from today is that CrossFit and powerlifting very similar in terms of injury rates, but when it comes down to reducing that injury risk within both sports, um, just looking at, looking after your general well-being, sleep, nutrition, hydration, absolutely. preparation for your session as well. So like from the beginning, making sure that you're you've been smart about how you load things up yeah. and working for the technique and making sure you don't neglect that whether it's really light or really heavy yeah and when you need to back off make sure yeah back off be humble enough to say no <laughs> yeah that's exactly it and um, if you constantly find yourself pushing like rp 11s and grinders know that you will break down eventually yeah. for every time for every i said tell people for every fantastic session you have you're going to have a bad session and you should let that bad session just happen don't just try and psych yourself to that point every single time because eventually you're going to break down i think powerlifters are guilty of that all the time and mm. um, i think crossfitters are guilty of that all the time Absolutely. when you're in that group setting it's very very easy to give into peer pressure i'm gonna add that extra 10 kilos I'm gonna yeah you're gonna go 20. rx i'm gonna go rx i'm gonna add those extra 20 repetitions in 10 seconds and things like that you've got to make mature in the way that you train yeah. And these things, coaches need to have the courage to hold their athletes back rather than just to continually keep pushing them if that's what they're like. Because yeah. that whole thing of if a coach um, and an ambitious athlete combine, um, they can just push each other towards injury. Um, you have to be able to hold those reins back, and I think that's a very important role yeah. um, as a coach. I don't think CrossFit's any more risky than powerlifting. I don't mm. think. Um, one of the spots should like go away or anything like that, but yeah. I think people need to accept there's a risk there, and if the lines take away that risk, then one of those two spots probably isn't their best option. Yeah, yeah.
Awesome. Alright. Yeah, pretty much covered everything there, didn't we? I think so. Yeah. I think we did, so I don't know what we're covering next time. But, uh, yeah, we'll think of something. And then if you've got any subjects you want us to talk about or anything, as always, message myself or Chris, and then we'll look into it and we'll fill your ears with wonderful updates and news I don't know about, about wonderful, but we'll <laughs> Always wonderful. I've been attempting, I'll probably say, erm a lot and put pen all over myself <laughs> and injure myself and have some other kind of stupid Yeah, story. just just sketch on this white wall next time. Sure, Tony and Charlie will be really happy about that. Down, yeah. There's artwork <laughs> on the wall and all sorts. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. Again next week. Yeah, bye. adios. Bye bye.